Steve Lance, your host of the Capitol Report on NTD News. If you have not done so yet, please hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with all of the latest news coming out of the nation's capital and beyond. Inflation remains higher than forecasted. NTD's Iris Tao has more on what the latest numbers tell us and how President Biden and lawmakers are reacting. Prices continue to rise in August, dashing hopes that inflation would ease. According to the Consumer Price Index released on Tuesday, overall prices rose 0.1% last month after dropping to zero in July. On an annual basis, prices are up 8.3% compared to last year. The higher-than-expected numbers were driven by increases in food prices and rent, offsetting the recent decline in gas prices. The Dow plunges more than 1,200 points on Tuesday over inflation fears. Meanwhile, Democrats and the president held a White House celebration Tuesday of the Inflation Reduction Act. This bill cut costs for families, helped reduce inflation at the kitchen table, a trillion five hundred billion dollar reduction in the deficit. So I don't want to hear it anymore about big spending Democrats. We spend, but we pay. This administration, who still don't get it. Republicans, however, urge the administration to stop spending and cheering. They continue to celebrate the tax increases, the amount of spending they're doing, and inflation continues to choke the American people. And so we have no more votes this afternoon because all of the Democrats have headed to the White House to celebrate this. And I guarantee what we're going to see from this law is higher inflation. We see that today. Meanwhile, the Federal Reserve is facing more pressure to tame inflation as prices remain high. It'll decide whether to impose another supersized interest rate hike next week. And Fed officials have made clear that they aren't going to back off until inflation starts to recede in a meaningful manner. Reporting in Washington, D.C., Iris Tao, NTD News. Next, joining us to discuss the inflation numbers released earlier today, Washington, D.C. Bureau Chief for Bankrate.com, Mark Hamrick. Mark Hamrick, thank you so much for joining us. Good to be with you, Steve. Thank you. Mark, uh, the CPI was released today, which was uh, higher than expected by a fraction of a percent at 8.3 inflation level. Uh, What do you make of it? Inflation continues to be more persistent and higher than had been expected. And obviously, when we're getting a hot read like this on the year-over-year rate of core inflation, that's disappointing because we had been sort of hoping that we could put this worst episode of inflation behind us. And we may have seen a peak, but it's certainly not leveling off at a substantial pace. So, Mark, how how will this inflation report affect the uh, Fed's tightening agenda? Do you expect them to be more aggressive? This gives them confidence in the sense that they want to continue to tighten interest rates. And the expectation before the release of the Consumer Price Index had been that we get the third consecutive increase of three quarters of one percent in the benchmark federal funds rate. I know there's some speculation in financial markets that it could be something more than that. I think it would take another it would take something else for them to arrive at that conclusion but we do have a week before that report uh, before the meeting of the federal reserve and their announcement and news conference as well as their summary of economic projections but i would expect at this point that the next rate increase will be similar to what we've seen now twice before mark can the uh, u.s economy achieve a soft landing do you think and what is your overall view um, on the state of the economy this year 
So a soft landing would be a situation where you bring essentially the expansion uh, in at a lower rate and avoid a recession. Uh, the reality is over the long term, recessions cannot always be avoided. And the fear is the Federal Reserve is doing too much by not only raising interest rates aggressively, as is the expe expectation through the end of the year, but also reducing its $9 trillion balance sheet in a way that has not been done before. The expansion in the early days of the pandemic was really meant to sort of uh, fix the uh, disconnected behavior of the market for uh, treasuries. And it did that, uh, and it ignited a rally in the stock market and, and led to very strong economic expansion. But this unwinding of pandemic monetary policy is essentially an experiment. So what I would say is, first of all, the pain associated with inflation is bad enough uh, if we actually had a sustained and significant uh, contraction in economic activity, uh, that would be uh, another insult to injury in the economy. But I think consumers have already been uh, substantially uh, pressured by this inflation problem, which is why the Fed believes strong medicine is needed. Very interesting, Mark. Uh, we're heading into the holiday uh, shopping season. What's your uh, forecast? Uh, what will you be watching for and looking for um, coming up? Well, Americans will always celebrate the holidays uh, however they can. It may not be at the level of spending uh, that they would like in the sense of overall gift purchases. And let's remember that the holiday shopping season is the most important season for retailers, but it's not sort of the totality of consumer spending, which has to go for all the things that we're talking about in the consumer price index. Uh, but the reality is that consumers have really been focusing on necessities and to some degree holiday gifts will be viewed as a necessity even though uh, at some level they also represent a luxury or a discretionary item but i think retailers are going to be happy that they believe unlike last year the worst of their supply chain disruptions are behind and they will have sufficient inventories to satisfy that demand so in that way this should be a better holiday season and we won't have the same problems that we had last year mark hamrick thank you so much for joining us Thank you, Steve. A new book takes a deep dive into the 2020 election. The pandemic ushered in widespread mail-in voting, but some other aspects of the election have gotten little attention. Greg Stenstrom is a former naval officer and a data scientist. He's shining a light on what could be widespread, serious election fraud activity, co-authoring his new book, The Parallel Election. Greg Stenstrom, thank you so much for joining us in the Capitol Report. Pleasure to be here. Greg, your new book, uh, The Parallel Election, makes the case for intentional election fraud, uh, especially you focus specifically on Delaware County, Pennsylvania. Tell us exactly what you saw or found. In a nutshell, uh, I was recruited by Leah Hoops, who's a Bethel Township committee woman, uh, to participate as a certified poll watcher and I was at the Wharf Building, which was a centralized counting center that's on the Delaware River in Delaware County. Uh, what I saw there was 120,000 fake ballots that were put through the system, and which gave uh, Biden 102,000 votes and Trump 18,000 votes. And then I saw them two days later infuse USB V drives into the system to further modify the vote and swing the vote, uh, take, took votes away and it added votes, uh, which gave Biden an additional 50,000 um, vote lead. So 
In addition to that, what we saw was we saw 70,000 unopened mail-in ballots in the back room, which we believe were the real ballots. Um, and those are uh, were admitted actually by the defendant's own attorneys in the in the two lawsuits that we subsequently filed. And Greg, if we could just kind of uh, set the table, I guess, for our audience. You graduated from the Naval uh, Academy. Uh, you were a surface warfare officer, an executive officer of a warfare unit. Um, I think when there's, you know, a lot of discussion or questioning of the election, uh, people say that it's against democracy, so on and so forth. So, I mean, it sounds like, and I'll ask you, do you love this country or do you think it's fundamentally flawed like uh, so many others? I absolutely love this country, and I look at this as a totally nonpartisan perspective. I am a U.S. Naval Academy graduate. I was a surface warfare officer and a U.S. Navy diver. I was the executive officer of a special warfare team and the commanding officer of a special operations team. So um, I did uh, a good portion of my life in the service of our country. I further, uh, later on, I secured uh, critical national infrastructure, including many of the financial institutions in this country. I encrypted the FDIC, uh, it was a big part in encrypting the Bank of New York and the Federal Reserve, encrypted the Naval Space Warfare Command. I was uh, involved in fraud investigations, government fraud investigations that recovered $220 million in one case, $63 million in another, and I'm responsible for putting public officials in jail. So I have a uh, pretty extensive background uh, and I am a patriot, love the country, and although I am a registered Republican and I admire President Trump, what I, admire, what I admire more and what's more, most important to me is our election system. Wow, that's, uh, that's really uh, something, Greg. Uh, so I want to get back to your book here. The subtitle of, of your book is uh, called Blueprint for Deception. The fraud that you've found, is this something that you think could have been carried out on an even larger scale? Yes, in the book, what we detail, uh, what we do differently, I think, than the other 65 cases that were presented is we provide quantitative evidence versus qualitative evidence. If you've seen 2,000 Mules and some of the other uh, uh, movies and cases and discussions in terms of statistics and people stuffing ballots into mailboxes and so forth, those are qualitative uh, evidence. And, and there, it is, in fact, evidence. But what we did a little differently is we provide quantitative evidence. In the quantitative evidence, we specifically tracked uh, Soros money, which was used starting in 2016 to install uh, district attorneys in targeted counties, attorney generals in targeted states. Uh, they targeted eight swing states and they targeted 32 counties specifically. Uh, you only they only need to uh, to manipulate the vote in 32 counties to, uh, to deeply impact the outcome of the 3200 counties, wards and parishes in the United States. So they were highly targeted. We show how Soros impacted that. We show how the legislation that was introduced into 28 states was actually inserted into the eight swing states to allow no excuse mail-in ballots and to allow drop boxes, pop-up voting, same day registration, and the elements of the fraud that they were required to swing the vote. And they targeted these 32 counties. And I'll give an example in Allegheny County, uh, which is Pittsburgh area in Pennsylvania, uh, about 20% of registered voters had voted by the end of election day. And at the end of the election day, they said they were missing 31 B drives. Two days later, when they counted the B drives and they inserted the vote, 109% of registered voters in Allegheny County had quote unquote voted. 
And I think those types of fraud uh, and those types of uh, vectors for fraud still exist. And I think if people understand that and, and read that in the book, that they'll be able to counteract that fraud in these major counting centers and specifically the targeted swing states that make all the difference in the election. Unbelievable stuff, Greg. I mean, this is truly the cornerstone of our democracy and uh, our elections. Uh, Co-author of The Parallel Election, Greg Stenstrom, thank you so much. Thank you, sir. I just want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. If you enjoy our content, please leave us a rating and a review as it really goes a long way in helping us spread the truth. Until next time, I'm your host, Steve Lance at NTD, and we'll see you soon.